Thanksgiving is a great time to reflect on God's goodness towards us. We can also be thankful for our homeland and the freedom we enjoy. But did you know that America's beginning was founded upon a creationist worldview? Stay tuned. They would not have been able to fathom the idea that somebody says there is no God. This is Science, Scripture, and Salvation, a Creation Radio Journal. I'm Chris O'Brien with the Institute for Creation Research. In this day and age when evolution and secularism are predominant in our classrooms and in the media, it's important that we know our country's history and remember that America was founded by creationists who put biblical principles into government. So just who were the people called pilgrims? And what did their worldview have to do with the way America was established? Stay with us for the next 15 minutes as we discuss creation and the pilgrims. Dr. Richard Fales is a biblical archaeologist who tells us that the pilgrims had a deep faith in God as creator and would not have accepted the idea of evolution. The uh, people of that period, the pilgrims, those who came over, they would have totally rejected something like that. They would not have been able to fathom the idea that somebody says there is no God, or they would have turned basically nature into a God as we are doing today in the secular world. They just would not have been able to comprehend or understand that. And they did really truly believe that in everything that they did, that there was a plan and a purpose for their lives, and they were to seek that plan and that purpose for their lives. Historian David Barton, founder of Wall Builders in Alito, Texas, says the pilgrims viewed their creator as the potter and people as his clay. Their adherence to God's word went back to Genesis 1-1, that God was there, God made everything, God ordered everything, God ordained everything, he gave a purpose to everything. And so their standpoint was God is, and everything flows from that. Because they believed that God was, they also believed that God had a right to tell his created creatures exactly how, when, where, and what to do. They believed that they were the creation of God. They believed that literally they were the apex of God's creation, that they were made last on on that last day of, of God's creation, and that God placed them over the rest of creation. So knowing that he is the one who had created them gave him the moral authority to tell them what to do, how, when, and where to live. So their assumed basis was we are created, we are created beings, and that means we have an obligation to follow the will of our creator. And that's why they took from the very beginning and used God's word as the base. But what would have happened if the pilgrims had not adhered to the doctrine of creation? If they accepted that God was not the creator and had a moral authority to tell them what to do, they would have had a different form of government. They would have done education differently. Their family would have been different. The way they treated the Indians would have been quite different. What they had done when the first slaves arrived would have been quite different rather than freeing the shipload of slaves. They probably would have kept the slaves because it had been for their benefit rather than for righteousness' sake. You look at what they did with private property with free enterprise Every one of those great American beginnings that started in the right direction, the civil rights movement and private property ownership and paying the Indian for land, etc., that all is based on what God told them to do in the Word of God, which was all a derivative of the fact that he's the creator, we're the created, he can tell us what to do, we'll live by his guidelines. Dr. Fales tells us that it was the following of God's Word that brought trouble to Christians in Europe, and that's why they departed to America. During that time period, there were copies of the New Testament that were coming out. 
and it was being translated into the language of the people. Didn't matter if it was in, if it was the English language or if it was the language of the Germanic peoples, but they could actually read it. And there were so many that were being put to death. They were burning men at the stake, women at the stake, for having read a Bible. And if you gave your opinion about it, trying to cut off the preaching of the gospel, they would try to destroy a whole group of men who had sat under a teacher. They'd have a mentor who would train them in the Bible. And the next thing you know, these all these young men who were now preaching the gospel ended up being burned at the stake, put to death, put in prisons. And that's what they were really fleeing from, coming to the U.S. to be able to do that. In coming to the New World, the pilgrims wanted to start a new civilization where God's word would be law. David Barton explains. They were early persecuted in England for wanting to follow the scriptures because it broke all the traditions of what had been done there for a thousand years. They went to Holland where even though they were able to practice their faith there, they were raising their kids in a culture that was not their English culture. So that's when they made a decision, let's go to America. Let's just take the Word of God as the basis of what we do. Let's build a whole civilization there with God's Word as the basis. And then we can have an English civilization, English culture, with God's Word guiding what we do. Dr. Fails. Those Christians of that period of time, the 1500s, 1600s, 1700s, they believed in a concept of Christian self-government. So they believed that they could read the Bible, and they did what the Bible says, and that's what would govern their lives, and not some politician somewhere that was now controlling what you believed, or not some some religious hierarchy that said, okay, now you have to believe this, and this is what, what we say that the Bible says. They were able to read it for themselves, and they were able to govern themselves. So in everything that they tried to do, they tried to follow the biblical pattern. ICR researcher John Rica says this new form of government shaped our country's freedom. After the Reformation, people also looked on the... Um all-powerful view of the Catholic Church as not being the final say. And the Reformers and the people that came after them, like the Pilgrims, believed in self-understanding of Scripture. And this also led to ideas of self-government, we the government of the people. This was a very radical concept at the time. In fact, all of Europe was essentially under monarchies. And so as people did self-rule, that's essentially what they did in, in Plymouth Colony and other colonies. Because of the large ocean, it took a long time for messages to get back and forth. And a lot of times, these people basically had to govern themselves because of that problem. This led to an idea that we should be allowed to self-govern and ultimately led to the revolution in America of throwing off sovereigns from far away and becoming a government of the people. The sovereign then in America became the people themselves who elected leaders as representatives but who were not given powers for life or who only had limited powers because of the sinful nature of men. These checks and balances were built in. These were religious convictions on how to form a body politic which were radical and, and very radical at the time. History tells us of the hard struggles the pilgrims endured that first and second winter in their new home. With many people dying in those early years, why didn't the pilgrims just give up and go back to Europe? John Rica says the spirit of the pilgrims was strong, and because they were looking ahead to the future, they refused to quit. They also had a larger view of things than themselves. Whereas most people want to be great 
many of the pilgrims, even after the first winter where many of them died, still wanted to stay. They felt that it was providential that God had brought them here, and they wanted to stay. And even if they wouldn't be known, they considered themselves stepping stones, in a sense, for the people to come after them, that they were the beginnings of an establishment, and not maybe do anything great in and of themselves, but had a larger view of providence and a view of what things could come based on their religious convictions that there could be something great down the road. They wouldn't necessarily be a part of it because their lives were so short, but they would be able to establish something that later on would bear fruit. It's a very different view than many of us have of we need to be the great Christian at the time or something like this. It's a longer view of things, more perhaps a biblical view of things, of how to understand history and view who you are in the time. Because God had brought them through so many hardships, the pilgrims decided to have a special time of Thanksgiving. David Barton says, although we celebrate Thanksgiving because of the pilgrims, they weren't the first in America to have a special day set apart for the giving of thanks to God. We track our modern Thanksgiving in November back to the pilgrims, and that's okay. But really, the first Thanksgiving in America happened back in 1607, at landing at Cape Henry. You had other Thanksgivings before the Pilgrims. You had Thanksgivings at Berkeley Plantation, Virginia. You had Thanksgivings down in Santa Fe, New Mexico back in 1580. You had a lot of Thanksgivings. But the Pilgrims were the first ones to really make a Thanksgiving festival. And they took three days and they set it aside. And in those three days, as God had so helped them and providentially brought to them Indian friends who showed them how to live in that land, They wanted to celebrate with their friends, and so they did indeed invite the Indians to be part of them for those three days. They went out hunting together, and they report that what they would normally take in a day's hunting, well, in that day, they actually took enough meat for literally weeks. So what was for dinner that first Thanksgiving, and in what kind of festivities did the pilgrims and Indians participate? They had all sorts of venison. They had fish. They had squirrels. They had other game that had been hunted. They had a number of fruit-type creations. They had all sorts of things that they had grown. They'd never grown corn before, but they'd learned how to do that from the Indians. And and so as you look at the recipes they had, they're quite unlike what we have today, although they use some of the same basic ingredients, but they were quite different. And over those three days, they recognized God as having brought them there, but they celebrated with their friends. They actually had competitions between the pilgrims and the Indians, who were literally their friends. They had wrestling matches together. They had foot races together. So it's kind of, in some ways, like sitting back in in Thanksgiving time today and watching athletic competitions while we eat a big meal, except sometimes we forget to thank God for that. But they were remembering to thank God. But they did have athletic competitions and and quite an interesting menu. And that that spanned a three-day festival time there in the first Thanksgiving. Unfortunately, the friendship between the pilgrims and certain Indians didn't last very long. Dr. Fales explains how the pilgrims weren't the only newcomers living in the Plymouth area and says because of man's sinful nature, covetousness and greed crept in and destroyed the unity that the pilgrims had first experienced with the natives. The Indians, some of them, again, they weren't believers. They had no power over their sin nature. And they did. They coveted. They wanted certain things that the white man had. And there were white men that came over to this country that were not true believers in Christ. They may have been religious, but they weren't Christians. 
and they were operating through their sin nature. They did something to irritate the Indians or kill the Indians. So the sin nature hasn't gotten any better. We've become more sophisticated, but we've become uh, more sophisticated in our sinning, actually. Uh, we've become more scientific, and we can make more probes, and we can go into space, and we can fly the jets faster than ever before. But the sin nature has not changed. As we read in God's Word, the only one who can change us into the person we ought to be is the Creator Himself, the Lord Jesus Christ. 2 Corinthians 5.17 tells us, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Why not let the Creator change your life today and make it a real Thanksgiving? And on Thanksgiving Day, let's all give thanks to God for His abundant blessings, including our freedom to worship Him. As our program comes to a close, we hope that you've been encouraged. It's our desire at ICR to show that the Bible can be trusted, both historically and scientifically, and to give facts that will build your faith. As Christians, we need to understand the scientific basis for our beliefs. We pray that this program will aid you in your discovery of science and the Bible. You know, most people aren't aware that today there are thousands of scientists that are convinced of the truth of biblical creation and not evolution. Our non-denominational ministry aims to restore and strengthen the Genesis foundations of the Christian faith. If you've enjoyed today's edition of Science, Scripture, and Salvation, a Creation Radio Journal, why not visit us on the web to find out more about the work of ICR. The address is www.icr.org. Again, www.icr.org. Science, Scripture, and Salvation, a Creation Radio Journal, is a production of ICR. For the Institute for Creation Research, I'm Chris O'Brien. Thanks for tuning in.